Hey wrestling fanatics, welcome to the Queen's Takeover. Thank you for joining us as we continue to take over the podcast world. It's your girl Kat, aka the Texas Sports Queen. We also have the Carolina Boss Lady Kayla. Hola. And our resident Jester Jolie. Sup. Okay, so here on the show, we've always been uh, very keen on uh, spotlighting independent wrestling and everything. So we definitely want to take another turn to that today. And we're going to shine the spotlight on a new promotion that we are very honored to be help sponsoring, Paradigm Wrestling out of Indiana. And joining us today is the owner of Paradigm, Gary. Hello. Hi, how y'all doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, Not too bad. My voice is a little rough. Uh, We had a couple of days of tapings. um, So, you know, just shouting directions and moving around and stuff. But other than that, I'm really good. (laughs) Well, it's like... If you, you sound like you're very awake and caffeinated and everything after the tapings and everything. So God bless you, man. <laughs> well, to be real honest with you, I had to set an alarm to wake up by 1 p.m. Um, so I've been awake for about 35-ish minutes, but I, I'm pretty awake now. <laughs> oh, I'm not too far. I think I'm not too far behind you. I think I've been up in like an hour and a half myself. So it's all good. All right. Well, Anybody in wrestling, uh, anybody in wrestling, it's like, no matter if you're like you're a wrestler, podcaster and everything, we all started out as fans. So uh, we have kind of like a little bit of a tradition here on the show. So my first question to you, of course, is how did you become, how did you get into wrestling as a fan? Um, So growing up, um, my dad had one of those descrambler boxes, you know, that could allow you to watch pay-per-views without having to pay for them. Um, it's beyond the statute of limitations, so I can talk about it now, uh, (laughs) like a pirate box. So we used to watch a lot of boxing and I'd occasionally just watch what was called the Barker channel. This is way back in the day. They used to just show previews of upcoming attractions. Um, so I used to watch those sometimes to see what was coming up as far as boxing and other things went. And that's kind of where I discovered wrestling was from like seeing previews of that. First I saw I think my earliest wrestling memory was uh, Hogan versus Undertaker at this Tuesday in Texas. Um, shortly thereafter, I discovered the UWFI's North American pay-per-views. Um, really loved that style. But I'd say it got cemented for me like during the NWO Steam Invasion Angle in 96-97. Um, so kind of those just factors. I just found it on cable one day while looking for boxing and just loved it. Nice, nice. So you're an old school uh, wrestling soul like Jolie is <laughs> yeah it's like out because it's like out of all the three of us it's like she's been watching the longest yeah I, I'd, I've been watching pretty regularly since uh I'm 32 and I've been re- watching pretty regularly since I was about three four years old is when I started watching it because uh just finding it that way um so yeah I, and I've watched <laughs> it pretty continuously since then damn man well I was oh. five and I'm almost 40 <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it's like jolie's been watching the longest and then you're right around kayla's age she's because she's the baby of the group oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of kayla you're up um how did um paradigm get started um sure so there's actually a group of us uh, i'm co-owner of paradigm um there's five of us in all and we were working on another promotion when paradigm started we were called uh, prodigy pro wrestling And we all kind of knew each other from attending other shows in the area together, Mm -hmm. um, just as fans. And we were brought in to do kind of some of the behind the scenes work, you know, social media promotion, things like that. Um, And then a few months thereafter, we ended up taking over ownership of the company. 
Um, so that's kind of how we all got our feet wet and dipped prior to that. Um, you know, I trained to be uh, a pro wrestler, went through wrestling school and stuff. Uh, my body didn't really hold up my shoot job. I'm an attorney. Um, so it was difficult to do, you know, both of those things at the same time, because when you get rocked in the head, it's harder to do, you know, a court hearing the next day. Um, oh. So promoting was a better fit for me than actually wrestling itself. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you might be the first attorney uh, attorney we had on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't hold that against me. Ah, uh, nah, not at all, not at all. Oh man. All right, Jolly. All right. Um, so you went from being a lawyer to a wrestler, still a lawyer, and now you're a promoter. So can you give us some of the backgrounds on your current champion, Myron Reed, and some of your other top stars? Sure. Um, so Myron Reed has w- been with us since our very first show when we started his prodigy in October 2017. Um, and he's, you know, a heck of a talent. He signed to MLW now. I believe he might have their middleweight championship at the moment. Uh, he's definitely had it if he doesn't have it currently. Um, he's from the Louisville area. We run in Southern Indiana, just outside of Louisville, about 10 minutes across the bridge from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and he's been with us since the first day and he's incredibly talented, just so fast and gifted. We've seen him develop, you know, since he first got started to, you know, now being a contracted TV star is pretty, pretty cool. Um, our other top champion is the Hoodfoot, Mo Atlas. We have kind of two divisions in Paradigm Pro Wrestling. We have our traditional wrestling division and our heavy hitters division. Uh, and the heavy hitters division c- consists of matches that are either contested under UWFI rules, like the UWFI Contender Series that you guys are sponsoring, or hardcore rules. Um, like that title can only be defended under one of those two rule sets. And the Hoodfoot Mo Atlas is our champion um, in that style. And he's just a powerhouse. Uh, he's from Chicago originally. Got char- as much charisma as you can possibly imagine for anybody and just hits really, really hard. Um, so they're kind of our top champions, rejects, um, John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley. John Wayne Murdoch actually just won IWTV's Independent Wrestler of the Year. They've also been with us since our very first show uh, in 2017. And then, you know, kind of the people we're really known for are going to be your guys like Matthew Justice who's like a crazy brawler. I believe he's had more uh, paradigm main events than anyone else in history. Uh, Kind of our top heel or villain is going to be Bobby Beverly, who used to be Matthew Justice's partner and is part of 440 uh, now with Ricky Shane Page and Eric Ryan and them. Um, And, you know, just everybody's really talented. We are fortunate to be where we are because we're able to kind of take different guys in different areas. We've seen different territories. We're kind of a central meeting ground for all of them. You know, the Indiana State motto is the crossroads of America. And that's really kind of true of Paradigm. We say we're the crossroads of combat because we bring people from all over. You know, we had people at our last tapings this last weekend from Vegas, uh, from Florida, uh, from Indiana, from Illinois, from Ohio. Heavy, heavy Ohio representation, to be honest. Um, and just all over the place, you know. We're trying to make Paradigm into a destination, and I think we've accomplished that in the last couple of years. That's cool. That's awesome, man. All right, Kayla? Um, as a promoter, as an owner, as a fan, um, we all have our favorite craziest match. So what is the craziest match you put on? You know, we've got a few. The one that comes to top of mind for me is uh, during our second annual Heavy Hitters Tournament. This would be last July. Uh, Matthew Justice took on UFC Hall of Famer Stefan Bonner um, in a rematch the first time they had fought under UWFI rules which is going to be your hybrid kind of of mixed martial arts 
and professional wrestling. And that match itself was crazy. Um, and Bonner got the knockout in that one, but he challenged Justice to a rematch under street fight rules because that's more of Justice's forte. Um, and to be real honest with you, you know, Bonner is a guy that's fought in front of 50,000 people. I didn't know what he was going to do in a hardcore match, like how far he was willing to go. You know what I mean? Like he's somebody who wrestles because he enjoys wrestling, but he doesn't need to wrestle. He's not trying to prove anything. You know, he's fought seven world champions already um, in the UFC, but he went all out. Him, him and Matthew Justice just kind of had a really crazy match. Um, he split Justice's open, face open at one point with a forearm. Uh, and Justice kept coming forward. So that match was just nuts. There's a, se- there's a scene where uh, Justice is swinging a door at him and Bonner actually punches him through the door um, like and breaks, like gets his fist through the door, like breaks through the door as it's happening. And that was just insane. Uh, that was the first hardcore match of his career, actually. So that was pretty cool to have that. Um, then in the vein, we use a lot of doors. Back in the summer of 2019, we did a what's called the Portal to Pain, which is a uh, kind of like a tables match, but we use doors instead because the secret in indie wrestling is doors are a lot less expensive than tables. Um, <laughs> as God's honest truth. Um, so it was the Rejects, which John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley versus the Lifers, Matthew Justice and Bobby Beverly versus the Awesome Odyssey. And they had this crazy three-way tag feud. Um, and that's the most out of control I've ever felt during a match. You know, this was prior to pandemic, so they're in the crowd, they're brawling. We've had matches that were bloodier. We've had matches that had more weapons, but I've never had a match that felt as out of control as that one. That was on in 2019 in our Summer Unlock show, um, just like wild. At one point, like I'm having to physically stop Matthew Justice from jumping off of something. Um, just nuts. Um, the Rejects actually got banned for our venue for a short time after that match for some of the things that went down on it, like legitimately banned from the venue. We were asked Damn. that. Um, so that match was really wild. Um, they're back allowed, of course, now, but just that one. Then at the, we ran a show at the Collective back in October, uh, and we had three death matches on that show. Because um, normally we do a lot of hardcore. We have done a few death matches, um, but for Indianapolis, that was probably the most collected death matches we'd done. Uh, we did three of them. They were all pretty intense. Um, the Rejects, um, as well as Akira, their third member, were in a six-man tag match against Nolan Edward, Hardway Hitter, and Juicy Jimmy. Um, and we probably went through 200 light tubes with that one and just total wildness and then the main event of that show was matthew justice versus bradley prescott the fourth which has been kind of a long-running rivalry for us they worked a, a clockwork Orange, clockwork orange house of fun match that was uh, also nuts uh, bradley got put through some giant fence panels and things like that uh, it was just brutal very much in the old kind of ecw early tna vibe so, you know, I'd say probably one of those. We've had a lot of crazy ones, but those are the ones that stick out for me. I think out of all the independent wrestlers and promotions we've talked to and everything, it sounds like y'all are like pretty much the ECW of indies at this point, because that's a lot of brutality you just referenced. <laughs> I'd say yes, because we're not. So, you know, there's the different niches in indie wrestling. You know, you've got your ICW uh, that leans a bit more heavily into deathmatch wrestling than we do. Same with GCW. We do use a lot of hardcore. To me, the main difference between kind of hardcore and deathmatch is going to be the use of like barbed wire or glass. And it's pretty, our one venue does not allow glass. So we don't stray often into the deathmatch territory, but we do like to do a lot of hardcore. 
But then we also do shows that like our Fighting Spirit Heavyweight Grand Prix, which is one of our signature events that's completely UWFI rules, completely presented as a sport. Um, you know, it's really hard hitting. It's shoot style wrestling. So it's going to be more violent than your traditional pro wrestling match, but it's not necessarily weapons driven. But I like the ECW comparison. So uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I love ECW. But we try not to like put ourselves in any sort of one genre. We try to present a little bit of everything. You know, you're going to have comedy wrestling, hardcore shoot style strong style we do a little bit of everything okay awesome awesome jolly as somebody who knows somebody who does backyard wrestling i can actually attest to the fact that yes doors are cheaper than tables (laughs) (laughs) much cheaper um yeah i do i do have another question for you but i have a question about the barbed wire do you cut the barbed wire prongs or um do you leave everything on uh, we don't use it that often, but we've left everything on. We've pre-cut it when we've done it and wrapped it around what we need. Uh, but that's going to more depend on what the guys ask as far as uh, I'll break kayfabe a little bit, get making a weapon. Um, I'm going to do what they ask me to do with it. Like kendo sticks, for instance, if you loosen the strings on them, that gimmicks them a bit. They don't hurt quite as bad. They'll more likely explode among contact, but that's really up to the guy's discretion. Um, the guys are girls that are in the match. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I know about the kendo sticks. I actually, I own one. I used to uh, fight with a friend of mine that's very big into Japanese samurai. So I know how bad those hurt fully strung up. So I'm glad you loosened them up a little bit because those things left nasty welts. Yeah, I mean, they don't feel good when they're loosened either, but at least, you know, when they break upon impact, the spot looks a bit more spectacular and then you can be done with that weapon. Yeah. So you you were just stating that you were doing a lot of uh, taping. So with COVID, how has your promotion dealt with the effects of everything that goes on without having fans and putting these shows on? So we've um, been fortunate or interesting enough to live in a state where we've been able to do a little of both. Um, This summer, initially, we came back in full accordance with our local health department. So we, you know, we stopped our last show, ironically enough, and I swear I'm not making this up, right before the pandemic hit, our last show was called PPW Sick, and then there was a global pandemic. Now, those things aren't related, but our show was on February 28th, I think, of last year. So just kind of ironic how that happened. Um, so then we shut down until July. In uh, July, we came back with limited attendance, you know, strict mask regulations and testing regimens. And we decided we would run like this if we thought we could do so safely um, and, you know, effectively. Um, so we ran a few shows under that setup and, you know, everything went pretty smoothly, but the situation, you know, continued to get worse. You know, the summertime, it wasn't too bad where we were. We were, uh, the state of Indiana uses a county, a color powdered map. We were in the yellow and well within the state guidelines to continue running as long as we, you know, did so safely. Recently, we've been a red county and while they will still permit live attendance and there's a couple of local companies running, you know, you're capped at 50 fans and we just didn't really feel comfortable running until we got back. The positivity rate went back down a little bit or the vaccine got a bit more widely distributed. But we wanted to keep our fan. We wanted to keep our fans with content because we honestly 2020 was probably our best <clears throat> year as far as viewership growth went. Um, so we wanted to kind of keep up that momentum. We wanted to keep our roster working. Uh, so we decided to do empty arena tapings. Um, we've run one season of our show UWFI Contenders already that aired in December and January. We've got a season of PPW No Hook uh, on air right now. And then just this weekend, we filmed season two of UWFI Contenders and season two of PPW No Hook. Um, and we're, we've got content scheduled through May. 
And the hope is that then starting in May, we'll be able to come back with, you know, live fans again, kind of a conjunction talking to the health department. They're telling me that May should be, you know, good to go. So that's the hope. Fingers crossed. Now, are you thinking about doing that this year since it's right around the corner, but when WrestleCon happens again next year in Dallas with coordinates to WrestleMania, are you guys thinking about jumping down there and getting more of a, a broader audience? Um, yeah, we absolutely would. We actually had some opportunities to go to Tampa this year uh, to present shows. You know, there's a couple of different things running. Um, there's the collective run by GCW. We were at the non-WrestleMania collective this year. Um, and then there was IWTV is also having a showcase of the independence down in Tampa. And we were fortunate enough to be invited to both. But we kind of made the decision that we didn't really want to go to Florida during the pandemic to be brutally honest. But next year, I definitely say we jump on that occasion. We will have a showcase match um, at the showcase of the independence. IWTV is running a show called Family Reunion, which is just like each show features like a match from a different promotion. And we will be one of those matches featured there. Uh, but we'll definitely, you know, I'd love, I'd love to come down to Texas and run a show in Texas. Absolutely. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Cause, um, it, cause it's like, I'm in Houston, but we've all talked about like going up to Dallas and everything and kind of meeting up, uh, for WrestleMania next year. So that would be sweet if we can catch one of those. <sighs> okay. So you've just mentioned your season two for UWFI Tinder series and as I say in the beginning of the show we're actually proud to be sponsoring one of your matches between Freddie Hudson so can you give us a rundown uh, about what we should be expecting the series and especially in uh, the Hudson and Kane match sure so I guess I could kind of start from the beginning broadly um, since not everybody perhaps knows what UWFI rules are uh, but UWFI rules is a Japanese uh, rule set from the Union of Wrestling Forces International that was used between, I want to say, like, 92 and 94. Um, and it's actually one of the early precursors to Pride Fighting Championships to a lot of MMA groups. The main principal difference is there's no pinfalls. Um, so matches can end via knockout, pinfall, you know, uh, a referee stoppage. Uh, there's also a point system, kind of like in amateur wrestling, um, but matches very rarely envy the point system, but that does exist. So the matches flow a little bit differently. You know, we presented as shoot style wrestling. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Josh Barnett's blood sport. That's kind of another flavor of shoot style. Ours is a little bit different from that, but that's the same kind of idea. It's the designed to be kind of the bridge between mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. Um, so the matches tend to be pretty short, pretty violent. Um, and are focused a lot on, you know, striking attacks, suplexes, um, submissions, grappling. And we've gotten, you know, former UFC Hall of Famers there. We've had, I want to say, four or five people that have fought in the UFC have fought under UWFI rules for us. People that have fought uh-huh. in places like Elite XC and Bellator. So we, we want to be that bridge. I'm also a huge MMA fan. And to be honest with you, I probably watch as much or more of MMA as I do wrestling. I kind of felt that there was something missing from how wrestling presents itself. Cause it was always incredible to me that the UFC, the UFC does not have the advantage of working their endings yet. Sometimes they can get a storyline across better. They can promote it better. They can be more interesting than wrestling, which has the advantage of being scripted. Right. So I tried to take the things that I thought really worked well from the MMA presentation um, and kind of work them into what we do. Um, and we started using UWFI rules in November. And it's really when we started kind of the wider wrestling audience started to take more notice of us. Um, so we decided season one to do this contender series, which was based off of uh, kind of these old, what was called strike force challengers, 
which was basically Strike Force was the number two MMA promotion in the, in the United States at the time. And they would do these challenger shows, which were prospects. You know, it would be prospects sometimes against an established roster member or just against each other with the winner earning a spot on the roster. So we did that with season one <clears throat> and we had eight people we ended up bringing in and joining our roster full time. And it was really popular. You know, that was intended to just kind of be a one-time limited series and people wanted to see more. So I decided, you know, what if we expanded that concept and brought in, you know, a hell of a lot of talent. So we've got, you know, some of the top talent in independent wrestling. Tom Lawler was there for this taping, you know, Gary J, Derek Neal, some of these guys that are really starting to get some buzz. Uh, Matthew Justice, of course, Dominic Guarini. And we put it all together, you know, as a full season. So all of the matches are contested under UWFI rules. There are, we filmed about 40 fights for it. Uh, we're going to be doing six episodes of that. And it's just, you know, it's, it's fast. It's hard hitting. Um, it's exciting. We try to match the in-ring of kind of what you would see on like a Battle Arts or an old UWFI show with some of the presentation from like, you know, Raw in 96, where a lot of the storylines overlap and there's just like a lot happening to kind of keep people's interest. So a columnist once called our UWFI stuff um, pro wrestling for people with ADHD because, you know, our, <laughs> and I love that description because I've got ADHD myself and the average match, okay. like, we do, we do sprints, you know, um, okay. I'll be real honest with you in this opinion is not going to be popular with any other promoters or workers or whatever. There's no reason for a okay. pro wrestling match to ever last more than 15 minutes. You know, you're going to lose the audience by that unless you're yeah. really, really good and you built it up. But like one of the things I struggle with is if I'm just watching a random indie show, this is a match with no build, two people going out there for 20 minutes. And it's just like, why, you know, why are they fighting? What's the reason I prefer the more condensed kind of sprint. Still want to see lots of high spots. Still want to see guys do a lot of stuff but I want to see them do it a lot faster. And that's kind of the style we use with that. With Fair that. enough. And then uh, as far as the match itself, it's a good representation of one of the things we try to do. We try to be kind of diverse and inclusive with our roster. Um, and one of the first things we did when we started was we wanted to highlight a lot of Black talent that exists in the area that was not as widely used, especially in the South or Midwest. Uh, and Alex Kane and Freddie Hudson are two prime examples of this, like tremendously black talent that are among the best in the country that should be more places. And, you know, there's dozens that fit that criteria. Um, so we're really excited to have them working. Um, Freddie Hudson has been with us since our first show. Uh, he came in the right way. You know, he came in through training. He was a cameraman uh, for our first couple of shows, um, you know, kind of paid his dues, worked his way up. He had one of, I want to say his third or fourth match ever was at our company. Uh, and he, you know, has been with us until working his way up. Finally, at Heavy Hitters 3, or Heavy Hitters 2, sorry, in July, he actually won our championship for a while. Um, and that was a pretty big upset victory, but kind of like the culmination of like his journey. Because, you know, as a young boy, his starting out in this, and young boy is such a weird wrestling phrase. I'm sorry I just said it. I kind of hate that phrase. But as a younger wrestler getting started, mm -hmm. You know, he kind of had a 500 win loss record, but he's kind of built his way up the ranks. And now he's a former champion. And Alex King's this guy who's just really hungry. We found him at, uh, we, Dan Severin hosted a seminar for us. And we asked Dan to pick out two guys to put on our roster from that, that we were going to use on a show the next day. And Alex Kane was one of those gentlemen that Dan was like, this guy's ready to be on TV right now. So we put him on and he killed it. That was in November at our Grand Prix show. 
Um, he has gone undefeated in Paradigm since then. Um, tremendous talent, tons of charisma, really strong. He's the suplex assassin. Um, and he can just throw people from wherever. He's also got a really catchy theme song. Um, if you guys have him on the show, um, try and like put play some of his theme song with it. He owns the rights to it. Um, and you'll, you'll, it'll pop you. I promise. It's like a custom rap <laughs> song about him. It's amazing. Um, so very talented guys. Cool. Cool. Actually, um, as of right now, we're having Freddie on a little bit later and then Alex, um, he couldn't join us today. So as of right now, he's supposed to be on with us next week. So we will definitely bring that up with him. And Kayla, didn't you say like when you first saw his picture, he looked like a total badass. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. <laughs> no, he, he's definitely a badass. We've got a few uh, badasses on the roster, but he was involved in uh, a pull apart bra um, in season two that blew me up. I'm not even going to lie. I'm trying to separate these guys. There's like five or six of us. They just got so much energy. And I'm in there trying to, you know, keep them separated and just wheezing afterwards. Oh, and I'm, wow. And I'm like, guys, this, this, this segment was a stare down, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I found this online today, and uh, I think you pretty much kind of like just, you, you pretty much just touched on it uh, with Freddie versus Alex. And then also we saw on your list that you do have Jordan Blade on season two and everything she's been on the show and she's absolutely wonderful um and i found this i found this tweet and i wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it because you just brought it up yourself it says if there's one thing paradigm wrestling makes abundantly apparent it's just how many absolutely amazing black wrestlers the wrestling community is sleeping on people were really missing out on some genuine stars yeah 100 percent you know, wrestling, wrestling's not always as progressive as I'd like it to be. I'll be real honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's especially true, you know, in parts of the South. Um, and it happens up North too. It's just a little bit more unspoken there. And it often seems like if you've got black wrestlers, they're either wrestling each other or they're in a tag team or they're in a stable, even if they've got nothing in common other than the fact that they're black, right? Wrestling's any wrestling, and honestly, the bigger leagues have always kind of had an unofficial quota system. And it's really, I mean, it's terrible on its face. And then it doesn't make any sense when you think about it. If you think of, you know, real, real combat sports, not to say wrestling's not real because it is, those bumps hurt. But like, if you think it shoot sports, MMA, boxing, a lot of the top athletes are also black. And it's mm-hmm. like, why is wrestling so much whiter than these other combat sports? Um, and I, I think that's problematic. And I think we can do, you know, better representation in all sorts of fields with more GLBT athletes, uh, more Hispanic athletes. But one of the things that we're fortunate ge- geographically is that a lot of these black wrestlers are close to us. So we were able to say, hey, let's feature them. And we're trying to make an effort to be my- more diverse and show that like wrestling really is for everyone, you know, that there can be representation uh, for everyone. Um, Mike Braddock is another great example. He is a, an amputee that wrestles with a prosthetic leg to show that, you know, differently abled people can also succeed in this. Like, I think there's stories to tell there that are important. Oh, wow. What's, what's his name again? Mike Braddock, Iron Mike, Mike Braddock. He is a uh, veteran, uh, and he lost uh, a leg in combat and he's, he's a badass. I don't know if I can curse or not. So I'm trying to, oh, don't worry about it. Well, okay, he's a fucking badass. 
Um, he's got a legitimate uh, background in boxing and jujitsu, and he still competes at high levels in both. Uh, with one leg, he, he was very competitive in the Arnold Classic, uh, which is like a jujitsu competition. So he, we brought him in to do our shoot style competitions, and he does great. And, you know, there's just not always that representation that, hey, you know, differently able people can succeed at this as well, or, you know, just different things like that. We try to be representative. We're not perfect by any means. I think we've done a good job of spotlighting black talent. Um, There's Mm -hmm. more talent I want to spotlight, uh, but it's just kind of a process, you know? Right. Oh, no, definitely. Of course. And it's absolutely amazing that you are doing that and trying to get that inclusion in there because it's definitely needed. All right. So before we let you out of here, where can, all right, where can everyone find you at? Okay. So we stream uh, every Wednesday on independentwrestling.tv at 10 o'clock Eastern. So right after Dynamite and NXT. Uh, Right now we are uh, in the midst of PPW No Hook, which is kind of this cool hybrid program that kind of blends elements of hip hop with pro wrestling. Then UWFI contenders will start March 24th at the same time, same time slot. Those shows will rotate back and forth through May. And then, uh, you know, on Twitter, we're at Paradigm Pro Rest, uh, W-R-E-S, because Paradigm Pro Wrestling was actually taken at one point, which is odd because we're the only one that exists. Um, we are at Paradigm Pro Wrestling on Instagram. Uh, we also have a Facebook account, but we're a little bit less active there. Um, I myself on Twitter am at GJW34. I also am the man behind the tweets most of the time from the Paradigm account. So if you ever need to get a hold of me, probably fastest just to message that account. All right, sweet. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. And we definitely wish you best of luck with the series and uh, definitely look forward to hopefully seeing you, uh, seeing a show one day. And thank you guys so much for sponsoring us too. Uh, one of the things I should have touched on a bit more um, that I didn't just real quick is how important those sponsorships are to us. We're not turning a profit from running right now. We're trying to keep wrestlers working and trying to keep them, you know, their craft fresh and the sponsorship money has allowed us to do that. All of the proceeds have gone directly to the wrestlers. So thank you guys for that. We really appreciate it. Oh, you de- you're definitely welcome. And uh, hopefully we get another chance to do it for you in the future. All right. Thank you all very much. <laughs> thank you. All right, so as we touched on earlier, we're proud to be sponsoring one of the events for, excuse me, one of the matches for uh, Paradigm's uh, UWFI Contender Series against Freddie Hudson and Alex Kane. And we happen to have one of those gentlemen on with us right now, former Paradigm champion himself, Freddie Hudson. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you guys today? Good, good. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. There's a lot of change in weather. From going from sunny to down to be like down here in coldness. Yeah, definitely. And of course, it's like I'm in Texas and weather changes like daily, weekly with us and everything. So it, it, it's kind of our weather is kind of a clusterfuck here. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally know what you mean with that. Okay. So just kind of keeping up with tradition like we do here on the show with every guest, their first time on and everything. We just got to ask, how did you get into wrestling as a fan? Um, I got into wrestling as a fan. I started watching wrestling when I was, I say, like five, six years old, and then I just watched it ever since then. Okay. Uh, what was like the big thing going on around back that time? Uh, I would say it was. I think William. I think William Regal was having his run in WWE. I believe so. I can't really remember, but I, I think it was. I I remember William Regal just distinguishedly 
about him. Okay. And he was like the one that kind of like hooked me onto like re- watching wrestling and everything. Okay. Okay. Cool. That's cool. Ah, uh, yeah. Because it's like he's like bit like he had like his own crazy career and everything, and then now he's just like killing it with NXT and stuff. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Jolly. So William Regal was somebody that you hooked you into wrestling. What was the reason why you wanted to pursue wrestling as a career? I wanted to pursue um, after I did like uh, amateur wrestling in high school and everything, and I went to college and came back home and everything. And I was like, I got into backyard wrestling with my couple couple of my friends, and then we were doing that like a little bit. And then one of my buddies found a building in Jeffersonville, Indiana, where I used to live at. And he talked to the guy who owns the building, Tutef Tony, and he was trying to um, let us like run shows inside his building. So Tony, um, my friend Josh called me up, told me, hey, meet me at this building. I said, okay, so I drove up there. And then he talked to Tony, and Tony said, I can't let you guys run shows right now, but if you guys get trained and everything, then I'll let you guys like have some shows and everything. And then I've just been doing it ever since then. That's awesome. Sweet. Got your foot in the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely. All right, Kayla. One of one of the things that we all share as wrestling fans or wrestling are our idols. So who was your idols growing up? Um, I would say one of them, uh, William Regal, uh, Chris Benoit, Undertaker. I think those were the main the main people that I like it draw me to. Oh man. Uh, uh, have you ever, did you ever have a chance to see any of them like perform live or? Uh, yeah, I, um, I've seen, I think about two or three shows, um, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. I remember I watched, um, I, I went, I went, I went to a SmackDown where it was, I remember it was Ray Mysterio versus Batista and they had, um, Undertaker's music, uh, go on once and nobody came out. Then second time it happened, nobody came out. And then the third time it came, uh, happened, and he actually did came out, and that was cool. The second time I went was um, it was whenever the Miz was ha- was champion, and his whole thing was um, he was wrestling John Cena, and he was four and zero against John Cena. I remember that decision because that was in the KFC Yem Center. And then another show I went to was in um, a building in Louisville called the freedom hall and it was like a wwe live event show that shinsuke nakamura wrestled john cena the miz and everybody it was it was really sweet awesome awesome ah jolly what's one of the craziest matches you've ever been in i would say one of the craziest matches i've been in is probably a uh, probably like a tables lies and chairs match back at my um my old training school, Grindhouse Pro Wrestling, it was me and two of my former tag partners, um, Rich Domage and Biff Lynch in the third. We were known as um, Kappa Tepakega. We were wrestling against two guys who used to wrestle together. They were a tag team called um, the Mama's Boys and another person. I can't remember who was on his team. But yeah, that was, it was really crazy to me, that one. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> ATLC match can like go off the chains and everything so it's like yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely for that oh man alright Kayla describe the feeling you had when you won the Paradigm Championship last year man that was an experience I like uh, like you know. I shit you not 
<laughs> I did not know at all. Like, it just, like, it blew me away. If anybody watches that match, and it's just me, Richard Core, Roger, for uh, Heavy Hitters 2, and we're at the first match and everything, and I tapped that pole, I was like, <laughs> you can distinctly see on my face. I look at Sean the ref, and he's like, you won? I was like, what? And I was like, whoa, hold up. Like, that just happened. And I was like, shit, I just won. And it was just like, it, it shocked me, like, personally. And I was like, wow. I never really thought that I would be, like, champion at Paradigm. Because I've been there for so long since it started back then, like, 2017, when it was Prodigy for Wrestling. So, mm-hmm. like, it's been my home. I just never thought, like, I would be Paradigm Pro Wrestling Champion. And it was, like, just... That was like a surreal moment for me. Yeah, we had um, Gary on earlier. And one thing he did talk about was the fact that you really like kind of worked your way up, did like kind of everything. You paid your dues and stuff like that. And then it, like it all culminated with you winning the title. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I, I love Paradigm. Like that's the one place that if I can try to get anyone that I think that is like really, really good to get on, like I'll. I'll do anything to help them and all. It's like that. That's your home. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's where I started. <laughs> all right, Jolly. So one thing, like we like to ask, um, especially with indie wrestlers, you know, who, um, like, where would their dream promotion be? So, what would your dream promotion be? Who would you like to fight? Who's your dream opponent? And um, if you could have a tag team partner, who would that be? Uh, my dream promotion. I would say would be, um, I say game changer wrestling. Okay. It's between game changer wrestling and beyond wrestling. Okay. And then my dream opponent would be John, um, Jay Lethal. And then my dream tag team partner, which is pretty much already my tag team partner, is uh, Mr. Don't Die Miles in, over here in the car with me. <laughs> He's kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Okay. Uh, so wait, 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 wait. So, wait, so, so like... you're in the car with the Don't Die Miles? Yes, I actually am in the car with Don't Die Miles right now. Uh... <laughs> he says hi. I, I was just looking at the uh, Instagram for uh, Paradigm, and I saw that he faced um, Trisha Dora. That yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> We've yeah, actually had her on the show a couple times, so it's actually kind of cool to have you kind of on our show right now. <laughs> yeah, I watched I watched this match back. It was like I tell you, I tell you, I was like, bro, like I love that match. Like that's probably one of the best matches that like I love of watching of his and everything. I tried. <laughs> he didn't try. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he knows he's good. He's just not trying to say he's not good. He's always he's no good. I want to shout out to Okay, so so what's it like? Uh, so he's he's your dream tag partner and everything. You're already tagging with him. So what's it like tagging with him? D- tell us about your chemistry and your partnership. <laughs> it's <laughs> honestly, it's it's wild. Like we never think that we were like tag. Cause we always been friends. Like even out of wrestling, like we play <laughs> Xbox together at home. Like when I'm at home and he's at home, we play Xbox and we will like talk shit to each other and everything. And like they we see each other, we're just goofy as just we are and everything so it's like it's real cool to like tag with him and all because like i haven't like he's like like a big brother to me because like he's like a, you are you are a lot older than me like two years a year you are still my big brother anyway 
but he he won't claim it. But I claim as it is, as it is. Ah, uh, but yeah, it's real cool. Cool. All right, so we meant okay. So we mentioned that at the beginning of the show, uh, UWFI Contender Series. We're we're sponsoring um, your match with Alex Kane. So give us some lowdown about the matchup and what should we expect. Honestly, you should expect a lot of me suplexing Alex because I know he calls himself the suplex assassin, but that's not going to work out me. <laughs> he's going to get all this work because that's what he deserves, and <laughs> I'm going to tap him out like that easy. I know I know he'll try to suplex me, but I guys I got a few tricks up my sleeve. Uh, have you? Have you ever have you ever matched up with him before? Or is no, this the this first is a, time? no, this is the first time. It was funny because it's like as soon as Paradigm announced that we were sponsoring the match, you two were jaw jacking against each other on Twitter like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what he deserves. <laughs> ah, is it like a little gnat or something? Just like <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm just trying to get to his head before we start this off and everything. <laughs> I just, I just hope he's ready. Really, that's all I say. Awesome. All right. Well, Freddie, thank you so much for joining us. I know, like, I know you had a lot working on this weekend and everything with the tapings and your shows and stuff. So we definitely appreciate appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thank you, guys. All right. Oh man, that was a lot of fun. Two good interviews and like getting us uh, well equipped. Uh, it's like we're starting to look good, get to know a little bit more about Paradigm and everything. So ugh, it's like it's a blessing that we're fortunate enough to sponsor some of these matches. And ugh, as long as I as long as we can work it through paychecks and everything, hopefully we could sponsor a lot more. So uh, just kind of wrap things up and everything. Definitely want to hit some royal recaps for the week. And I'm going to start because we just finished with uh, we're finished. We just finished up with. Um, Black History Month and we're transitioning into Women's History Month and I've got the perfect subject to accommodate both. Friday night, Bianca Belair made her decision official. It will be her versus Sasha Banks at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship. The first time two African-American women will be fighting for a title in the main, ev- in the main event. Um, this alone... It, Bianca even said it herself on Talking Smack and everything. They made res- made WrestleMania even bigger before you even get to WrestleMania because of the historic factor. Now, it's funny because one thing has been tweeting out, and I've even tweeted it out myself since then. Uh, Triple H, can you spare Aja Smith for that weekend? Because with her being the first African-American female referee in WWE, well, technically she's with NXT, but a lot of people have been saying she needs to referee this match. It would be absolutely awesome for her to referee this match. And Big Swole said she would throw hands with anybody if she doesn't. <laughs> but, all right, but hold on, hold on. Swerve, for the love of God, can you leave Leon Ruff alone? That's her boyfriend. And we need her to not be distracted so she can actually work this match. So Actually, fiance. Oh, fiance now. So congratulations, guys. But still, can you can can you just like you know let the little dude chill for a little bit, please? We want this. We want pure history. I, I mean, the only thing missing from the Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte match was having a uh, lady ref Jess 
as the ref. And I think she should have been the ref for that match. I think they should have made a hundred percent complete history. So I'm 100 before Aja being the um, ref for this match. Please. Somebody even said, uh, get uh, Alicia. I think her name is uh, the ring announcer from NXT to, to come up and do it. I don't, it's like, that's a kind of throw that in too as well. I mean, I don't know if that I'm again, I'm all for, all the inclusion in the world uh, i mean listening to gary say that that the african-american community is one of the most underutilized in wrestling and i 100 percent agree and it is a beautiful thing to see um two women of color sasha and bianca repping both you know their heritage and their gender you know and it's nice to see you know the women getting called the main event again i mean we don't know again we don't know who's going to be the main event i mean but they are one of three main event matches. And it doesn't matter if they open the show or close out the show, to me, perfect, to be perfectly honest. In, in all honesty, I think the, the match that should open the show should be a championship match a la... Well, actually, you know, it's over two nights, so it's a little mm-hmm. bit different. So, But if it was a normal WrestleMania, I would have had the Miz-Bobby Lashley match open the show. I would probably have put the Sasha-Bianca match in the middle just to restart everybody's going and then i would have spear versus spear at the end right just because of you know the history with edge and even if he doesn't win the match which i really hope he does i feel that he deserves to have the closing match at a wrestlemania just because the fact that he's never had the chance to end his career his way and i think it'd be a perfectly good step in his Basically, his road to retirement, because that's what these next few years are going to be. And I mean, I love Edge, and hopefully next year at Access, I get a ticket to meet him because he's on my bucket list of wrestlers to meet. And um, yeah, so that I think he does, one, he deserves the title, and two, he deserves to close out the show and have the pyro go off for him. That's if it was a traditional WrestleMania, and this is over two nights, and I'm still kind of confused if they're going to keep it two nights. I mean, it does help. I mean, if you're only interested in the Raw matches, all right, stick with that. If you're only interested in the SmackDown matches, you go that night. If you want both, WWE's going to take your money. Exactly. But it's like someone did bring it up. April 11th was the day he actually had to retire. So night night two is April 11th. Okay, that even makes it... I mean, I'm sorry. That's such a fuck... That's so... Like, yes. uh, I love Sasha. I love Bianca. But that story from him having to retire and leave that title in that ring, and if he comes back and wins that title that he never lost, um, that gives me goosebumps uh, on an epic level. But again, I have loved Edge for over 20 years. Yeah. That's how long I've been watching him. Hell, have him back-to-back, because then that way you're just completely fired up for that match. Well, it's like either back-to-back or have Sasha and Bianca close night one and Edge and Roland close night two. I'm all right with that, but would you put the Raw women's title on night two then? That's a tricky one. <laughs> if, if I would, I would be towards the beginning of the show. I mean, it all also, also depends on who they have facing her. Because right now you've got it all. Okay, so this is what I want to happen. All right, go ahead. So we saw Charlotte flip out on Daddy, um, who finally said, no, I didn't father the baby. Thank you. That was fucking disgusting. And then you have, you know, everything that's going on with that. You have 
the possibility of Becky looming because we don't know what she's doing. And in all honesty, not just as a fan of Becky's, but as a fan of women's wrestling, without her there, there has been something missing. And it doesn't matter if you put EO, Candice, Rhea, Tony, all up on the main roster, something is missing. You're missing that spark. And that spark is Becky. And I will fight anybody on that. Ever since she's left, Raw's division has sucked ass. I'm really feeling bad for Liv and Ruby now on the squash squad again. But so what I want to happen is I want it to like, you know, you've got time for a round robin tournament or not even a tournament, just a uh, number one contenders tournament with the women. And it comes down to uh, Rhea and Charlotte at Fastlane. Okay. Rhea gets her victory. Then I want Rhea to face Asuka for the title. And then I want Becky to come back, look Rhea up and down and say, I never lost that. You never pinned me. I almost beat you on NXT. I'm coming for that title. I'll take it. Sign me up. And by the way, I'm glad that they finally decided on what show for Rhea to go to and everything. And they made the right decision because Raw needs her more. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, I think they were waiting to see how things were going to flow with Bianca winning the thing. Uh, I also feel like, you know, just to see how some things are, are melding. And it does take time to figure out which, what people don't understand is like, oh, they're going to waste her, they're going to waste her, they're going to waste her. You have to figure out which people and which staff she's going to mesh better with. I can see mm-hmm. her meshing better with a Naya and a Shayna. She's already beaten the shit out of Shayna. There's history there for that. You have the history with Charlotte. You have the desire for her to face Asuka. So Raw was the more perfect fit, but you sometimes you have to see because I think they were thinking back and forth whether or not to have her Bianca go against Asuka, which yeah. again would have been a fantastic match. But like you said, this is history again in the making. And I do believe that Alicia Taylor should be the one to come out and announce the match. And you know, if JD Williams isn't busy, could he, you know, sing out with Bianca? Like he's done with the <laughs> uh, Street Profits and with um the now disputed era. <laughs> oh, that's another show on its own. All right. Uh Kayla, so your thoughts and any recaps that stood out to you this week? Other than the historical moment of, you know, Banks and Belair. Awesome. Looking really forward to that match. And um, um, as far as Reginald goes, really, dude, give up. Don't ever speak for the boss. Um, I don't know what the hell's going on. I, 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 I'm just completely clueless on that. Um, but, you know, as Julie stated, the whole... Oscar versus Rhea. Becky comes out and says, I never lost it. You never pinned me. But I was sitting there thinking about it. Remember Elimination Chamber, before they canceled her match, they said on the kickoff show that she was going to have a mystery opponent. Mm-hmm. What if they announced that for WrestleMania, she's going to have a mystery opponent, and we hear Celtic Invasion go off? And it's Becky returning as the mystery opponent because you just wouldn't mention a mystery opponent when you obviously had something in mind. But if you brought her back, what would be a big pop? Hear that music. She comes out. So, and I got it. 
and, and I gotta admit, for her return, you don't want to spoil it. You don't exactly. want to like, preview. I mean, you want it like pow. Exactly. And so, and it, it just ever since they said the mystery, it just made me start thinking. I mean, people would be like, okay, could it be Alexa? Could it be Rhea? You know, people would just start going down the main roster and not really think it being Becky. So, right. um, that's what I'm going with. Um, we all probably possibly know that she is probably still backstage because we know she's there supporting Seth, you know, so whatever she's doing, she, like Jolie said, she's looming, she's lurking. Where is she? It's just a matter of time. People is expecting her to return any minute, but it's going to happen when we're not expecting it. So I think it's going to be revealed. Oscar, you're defending your title at WrestleMania, but you don't know who your opponent's going to be. So well, we do we do got a few weeks, so we'll definitely see on that. Uh any other recaps you want to bring up? Um other than Miz is probably gonna get his ass beat on Monday night. Uh but but just a little prediction on that one if you want to recap a little bit. More than likely, um I have that feeling that Miz will retain tomorrow. Just just okay. Okay. He's gonna retain. And then something's going to happen where Drew's going to get his rematch. Miz versus McIntyre. And then I believe when it goes into WrestleMania, or no, actually, Miz is going to hold the title to WrestleMania. WrestleMania, it'll be Miz versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Drew gets it back. And then we're going to see Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. That's the match I want to see. I don't want to see a dominant Bobby Lashley. Yes, I'm a fan of The Miz. I've always been a fan of The Miz. But it's just, no. You you honestly didn't really pin Drew McIntyre to begin with, fair and square. You stole the man's title that's been working for it for a while. So mm-hmm. he's going to be pissed. You got Bobby Lashley pissed. So just go ahead and take an ass-beating Claymore kick from Drew. And then you can choke out to, uh, was it Hurt Lock later on? So, like I said, um, and, and just like I said, that's just what I'm thinking. I could be wrong. Okay. okay. All right. So, and hey. Jolie, I know there was one thing you wanted to bring up from this past week. Well, actually, there's two things now because you talked about Alexa a minute ago. How freaky was it that, you know, Randy just started coughing up black? <laughs> mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I am I am so invested in this storyline, it's not even funny. You're right. <laughs> I, I, I've never been, like, you know, I, there's been storylines I've been invested in. Um, the Becky Charlotte storyline, always invested in that because I love the two women wholeheartedly. Uh, but just watching him just start coughing, it's like, okay, this is creepy. He's a professional. He doesn't really... And all of a sudden, it just starts oozing out. And then I see people online freaking out about the pentagram and all that. And I'm just, like, cracking up laughing because, you know, people actually did their research about the pentagram. They would know that it's actually not an evil um, symbol. But, you know, people uh, say what they want to say and see what they want to see. But I've actually, I'm so invested in this storyline. And, again, I I do think there's going to be more people joining this family just because it would make more sense that it has more of a cultish following. But 
the one thing that really uh, shocked me was the Apollo Crews, um, the Nigerian prince emailer. Um, you know, he comes out, you know, I loved his outfit. His, his, his gear was on point. The, the MJF scarf, which he pulled off a hell of a lot better than MJF, <laughs> in, in my opinion, um, yeah. was, on, was on fleek. You know, he, he was styling, profiling better than anything. And that makes sense because his wife, I think, is best friends with Charlotte. In real life or they know each other so that makes po- that makes sense okay uh, so that that does make sense that he he gets some of that style and profile and tips there but you know and then he he starts talking about you know doing all this stuff and how he's from nigeria and then the swerve of it all was that his grandfather had five baby mamas and i'm sitting here like the fuck <laughs> did this did this man say he has five grandmothers is that why he's trying? What the fuck? <laughs> like the hell? And I mean, and he bust out the accent, which you know was actually kind of cool. But I'm just waiting for Triple H to come out and pull that line that he pulled on Kofi. What happened to your accent? <laughs> like I, I saw, I saw that clip the other day. <laughs> and it's just like you know what the what the mother. But I I this in all honesty, this heel turn should have happened with the hurt business. He should be a part of the Hurt Business. Hands down. No ifs, ands, or buts. He has that Bobby Lashley hunger. He has that Shelton Benjamin. He's not cocky like Cedric. He fits the Hurt Business mold a lot more. And if MVP was smart, which I know he is, he would consider making a Hurt Business SmackDown branch. I did see on Twitter that uh, Apollo tweeted out like embracing the true me or something like that, and MVP retweeted that said it's about time. Yeah, so it's like you know, I've been loving that storyline. I can't wait for Biggie to come back. I can't wait to watch his twenty four, which just released. Um, I've been a fan of Biggie's back when he was basically muscle for AJ Lee and Dolph Ziggler. Um, the man has gone from a robot to probably one of the funnest guys you will ever see in in a match, you know, and mm-hmm. in real life. I mean, he's, I mean, and do we have to bring up the fact that he was hitting on Becky's mom on Twitter? <laughs> that was some, like, he's classic on Twitter. I miss him with Xavier and Kofi. Mm-hmm. I miss the New Day. So I'm kind of hoping that somehow maybe they'll swap titles. The U.S. title will maybe go to SmackDown. You know, send oh wait, no, we can't send her to SmackDown. Fuck. Fine. Keith Lee can win the title and go over to SmackDown. Yeah, because apparently Riddle can't be anywhere near Seth Rollins. No, no, no. Seth will kill him. Like that stomp at, in the, the, at the Rumble. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, and it was nothing that Matt did. It was what his wife said about Becky. Guilty by association. Um, but uh, speaking of Alexa, something popped in my head. And can we talk about how the fact that Orton said, I'm not afraid of Bray Wyatt or The Fiend. I'm afraid of Alexa. I think that's great. <laughs> you, you're afraid of a fire. <laughs> you're, you are distracted by a five feet of fury. I mean, come <laughs> on now. <laughs> well, as a person that has dated shorter women, you don't fuck with a short woman. Because, like you said, they are fury 
in a small package. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's like the the one thing, and and all of a sudden they're off of you like a firecracker, beating the shit out of you, and you don't know what the fuck you did. So that I can understand. But here it coming out of his mouth was just funny. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and it, probably like all the women that he's harassed back in the day is probably like, it's about time you're fucking afraid of women. <laughs> oh, go, go try shit in her bag. Go try shit in her bag. See what happens. And as a short woman, I fully, I fully support that statement. <laughs> How tall are you? Because uh, five two. Oh, wow. I thought you were taller. Five two. How tall are you, Kayla? <laughs> Five three. <laughs> oh, you're not that much taller than me. Jeez, Jeez woman. All right, Jolie. Five eight. <laughs> all right. How- okay, she's the tallest out of all of us. You're five eight. Damn! Yep. I thought you were short. A five, like five five or five six. No, I'm five eight. Shit. Oh, damn. Oh. Okay. Whatever. I can, I can we- see that group what? picture now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got to be in the middle. No, you. No, no. Kayla's in the middle. We're just gonna go down like a line. <laughs> I have earned the middle finger. Finally. <laughs> All right, ladies. Uh we haven't done this in a while and I came up with this the other day. I was gonna have a pri- I don't I don't have a prize to go with it, but it's bragging, right? So I'm throwing you both in the jester's chair. Okay, so your phone's to the side because you're not allowed to look this up. Put your phone to the side, Jolly. <laughs> okay. Kayla, where's your phone? Fine. Okay. Put your All book right. away too, Kayla. It's over that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One question. I'm looking for a number. The closest to the number without going over gets it. If you both go over, who's ever close? Whoever, whoever's still closest to the number. Capiche? Okay. All right. John Cena and Ric Flair, they're both recognized as 16-time world champions. What is the combined amount of days that they were champion total between his reigns, between Cena's reigns and Flair's reigns? I'm looking for the combined amount of days that they were champion. Well, shit. <laughs> All right, let me put on let me put on a 30 second timer at least. <laughs> oh shit. 2,563. Right, we'll write it down. Kayla, she's still doing the math. <laughs> Ah, shit. Where's my timer? I'm just going to say 3,000 even. Okay, so we have 3,000 even, and what did you say, Jolie? 2,000? 563. Okay. First of all, y'all are both way off, but the closest to the number, by theoretically speaking, was Kayla. The combined amount between both of their reigns is 4,867. Because you have John Cena alone with 1,411 days, and then Ric Flair with 3,456. And I checked it on two different websites. I've silenced the jester. <laughs> nah, dude. Shocked <laughs> and surprised. Like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, I should have carried the one. <laughs> uh, but see, I've been wanting my- to do that one for a while. <laughs> My mind went back to when he was NWA champion, and it's like I got confused for a second because I know he was champion for over a year in that program. So him and Harley Race, so so I got a little mental fuck because I was like, wait a minute. But you got me an idea for another's gestures chair later on. So cool beans. 
Ah, so I've done my job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this has been a long-ass episode, but a fun-ass episode. That's all we have for this episode of The Queen's Takeover. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next time as The Takeover continues. Y'all have a good one.